0: This week, the egg producer who's heading for Africa.
1: Genuinely, the money goes back into farming practices so these people can actually create an environment that they can live from themselves.
0: We'll find out exactly what Sarah Louise Fairburn is hoping will come from her trip to Uganda in a moment. And later, while some here want the rain, it's not ideal for everyone. How are you feeling about it, Colin Jackson at Poor Jackson Potatoes?
2: It needs to stop. (laughs) Yeah, it does. does. We need some, but not this much. Yeah, that's it.
1: The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale.
0: Good morning. Yes, we'll have more from uh, Colin on potatoes a little later. Let's start, though, at Fairburn's eggs, although we're not really talking about eggs or chickens on the programme this week. As mentioned, a a week tomorrow, Sarah-Louise Fairburn will be heading for Uganda as part of a delegation of women from the UK's farming industry taking on the Thousand Trees Challenge. It's more than just trees, though. So how did it all come about, Sarah-Louise?
1: So I had an email from um, a lady that heads up brand for Sainsbury's um, asking if I'd take part in um, a mission in Uganda um, to help support farmers out there.
0: And so... You, what spending a couple of days and um, planting lots of trees is that the aim a thousand if you can
1: so in my head on the email when i was asked if i would go and do it we've been huge supporters of farm africa which is the charity we're going out there to um to work with um for many years and i thought planting a few t- trees actually would be quite quite an easy easy task but actually when you actually get into it and look at the amount of poverty out there it's far greater than actually just planting a few trees so We are planting trees. We're planting a 1,000 over three days. It will be over 80 acres of farmland. It'll cover 36 different households and it'll help support four separate coffee cooperatives. But the the most interesting thing for me, which I hope I'll be able to help support through my background as sales director for Fairburns and with my farming background as well, is helping inspire the young farmers and particularly the young women out there um that have farms that just aren't making a profit so really working with them on business occupant how they're selling the crops where the crops are being sold to and also working on how they farm
0: and and that's crucial isn't it for for their future they it's just pointing in the right direction really they've got what they need there it's just showing them how they, how it can be done
1: Absolutely. And it's the same with any farmer in any part of the world. It's about best practice and how they can farm better to get higher yields and to make more money, basically. But the difference is for the guys out there, they are just in such, such severe poverty. Um, A statistic that I didn't know um, until I signed up for this was 78% of the population in Uganda is actually under 30 Mm. Now it really, it really staggered me actually, um, Sean, because what does that tell you about the illness, the disease, the poverty out there and about their standard of living? It, it just doesn't even bear to think about really and I think I'm going to be in for a, a shock when, when I get there in all honesty um, and I really genuinely want to help them.
0: Now, you said, obviously, you've supported, and Fairbanks have supported Farm Africa for a while. Daniel's done, he's been up Kilimanjaro, and he did a a couple of runs um, uh, across deserts. I I made it sound like it was just a little jog, but it was a couple of marathons (laughs) across deserts. Last year, was it, or
1: two years ago? Yeah, last year, he did two marathons Mm. in the Sahara Desert for Farm Africa, and then in 2014, he climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. And when we talk about these challenges, um, I want to stress that it's not just doing the challenge and earning the money. And the reason we like Farm Africa is, Genuinely, the money goes back into farming practices, so these people can actually create an environment that they can live from themselves. So it's not just throwing money at people; it's actually doing something about it, which is what we love. So Daniel managed to raise seventy five thousand between the two different challenges that he's done. So I'm a bit behind him at the moment because I'm just touching three thousand pounds, and you know we do we do need to raise as much as possible. Um, I'm asking um, business sponsors if they will come forward. I've got loads of different sponsorship packages available and what I am going to do is have um, a party for business sponsors afterwards so that we can discuss the experience and the challenge and show them where the money's gone as well.
0: Which is important, isn't it? To see where that money is actually going. And then, I guess, keeping in touch and, and hopefully seeing it develop.
1: Yeah, and I am very keen. I genuinely want our children one day to go out there as well and see the work that's being done and what's happening because I do think, for want of better words, we live in a bubble and we really really take basics just for granted so like food is prime example of that food is so centric to us and i don't think we realize do we in our everyday lives we take it for granted we can nip to a convenience store grab a sandwich whatever we need these people for them it's a challenge to be able to live to have food to live you know that's That's what we're going to be facing into and I think if we can work on a journey with them, how lovely would it be in years to come to go out and see them being self-sufficient, have food to feed themselves and their own communities. I just think what what could be better than being part of that really.
0: So you've obviously got the three days of the, the tree planting, but how long are you going to be out there in total?
1: So we're going to be out there for six days in total, right. so genuinely we're going to be working really closely mm. with these, these farmers and these farming communities to talk about their routes to market, what they're doing currently and what genuinely the gaps are, what they're missing and what they need. We're also, and it, I'm very, very excited about this as well, we're going to be going for walks on coffee farms there, seeing how they're and seeing how it's being produced, and um, go and then see See in the the coffee factories, see how it's manufactured and how it's sent across to various different corners of the world for us all to drink and enjoy so um, that's going to be personally interesting for me as well I've never seen anything like that before
0: It will be fascinating won't it, that's Sarah Louise Fairburn heading for Uganda a week tomorrow, you can find out more if you'd like to help out with the trip maybe make a donation by visiting Fairburn's Eggs online, Uh, they're on social media as well, Uh, they've a Just Giving site as well if you search for them on there and uh, I'll tweet her a few links on our at farming show social media accounts as well a little later on. Now, listening intently to what uh, Sarah Louise had to say, there was our agronomist, Sean Sparling. Morning, Sean.
3: Yes, good morning, Sean. And it has to be a good morning after that, doesn't it? I think sometimes it's very easy to get swept away with our own woes and think that nobody's got it as bad as we have. And it's only when you hear people like Sarah Louise, what they're doing and what the Farm Africa Foundation is doing, that you realise, actually, we've got it pretty good out here. Um, When you hear that 78% of Uganda... 78% of the entire population is below the age of 30 in the year 2019 as a result of starvation and hunger and thirst and pestilence and disease and crop failure, that is really, really sobering. And we really don't know how lucky we are. And it's very easy for us to moan about the cabbage stem flea beetle and the fact it's raining and we can't get on and do any drilling and we're not getting enough money for the wheat and the barley oat, seed rape, sugar beet, potatoes, linseed, peas, bean we could do, we're getting more per tonne. But actually, we all get to go to bed tonight after we've had something to eat, something to drink. We can sleep in relative comfort and safety and we can get up tomorrow with a smile on our face and we can do it all over again. And I think sometimes we need to appreciate just what we have. And if that means, as Sarah Louise said, just once a week, not having your double chai latte with a chocolate sprinkle and almond sauce or whatever you have, and giving that four quid to the Farm Africa Foundation to help some of these families support themselves and their local communities, then I think we should all be doing that. And if we all did that, then I think we could start to make a difference. Um, But it, it really is sobering, isn't it? When you think a billion people go to bed hungry every single night and hundreds of thousands of people are dying every day through disease and pestilence and starvation and thirst and mainly through poverty, you realise actually we don't have a lot to moan about. So I'm going to try and be positive this week. It's very difficult when cabbage stem flea beetle is in the mix, of course, because I've ripped up more oilseed rape this week than I ripped up all of last season. But the only positive I can take out of that is the fact that if you're ripping oilseed rape up, you're not on your own. This is a problem which is only going to get worse. You're not on your own. It's nothing you've done. If you can't control the pest, Um, with the tools we have available, then there's nothing you can do about it. So you just put it down to experience and we move on. What's encouraging in the oilseed rape at the moment is I am seeing very little in the way of disease. Now, the way the weather's turned, you would expect to be finding a bit of foam or perhaps some light leaf spot. And remember, there is the Spot Check Initiative. You can send leaves away with no visible symptoms to aid us and they'll analyse them and send them back to you. So just Google Spot Check Initiative and you can get all the details off there. It's a Bayer Initiative, I believe. That's one positive. We don't have to be charging out for disease and we couldn't do anything else if we wanted to anyway. Now, there has been a flush of blackgrass start to appear over the last seven days in oilseed rape fields, but also in the stale seed beds. So the second positive to take from the weather we've got at the moment is because it's so wet, there's nothing you can do on the land. You can't go out and drill. So from an agronomist's point of view and from those of you with blackgrass's point of view, that is a godsend because what we've seen in the last 10 years is the cleanest blackgrass years coming up to harvest are the ones where Mother Nature has intervened and we haven't been able to get wheat in the ground much before the end of October because this first three weeks or so up to around the 20th or 25th of October, this is blackgrass germination. Season. So, this is when it's going to start to come, and as I've said, you can already see it coming in all seed rape and stale seed beds. But if you're going out there to spray off a flush of blackgrass before you think about drilling, then remember that a flush comprises of somewhere between 400 and 600 plants a square meter in blackgrass areas. So If you've got 100 plants a square metre and you spray that off and then you go a fortnight later and spray another 100, 150 plants off, you haven't sprayed two flushes off, you've sprayed part of the first flush off. So just understand, look at the plants within the flush, see how big they are, see if they're still coming. If the majority of them are one true leaf and you can scrap down and find them, you're still in the midst of that first flush. And that's where the positive comes in because this weather isn't going to let you go charging in and make that mistake with a bit of luck. Also, another positive, you can't get these crops in too early in terms of BYDV being a problem if you do get them in early. So therefore with the way the weather's intervened you're not going to get many crops drilled over the next 14 days by which time the threat from BYDV diminishes. It doesn't go away but it comes much less of a problem. Now those crops which are already in the ground, the winter wheat which is in the ground on non-black grass which is pricking through, it becomes quite important to get an insecticide on if the BYDV vectors, the grain aphid, rose grain aphid, bird cherry oat aphid are out there in the field, to get some sort of protection on early before the crop gets to about two true leaves in order to try and hold on to that initial first infection. And thereafter you count day degrees up to 180 degrees by which time you would then need to go with a follow-up insecticide. But really. We don't want to be throwing insecticides on fields unless we have to. The weather's going to stop you putting wheat in the ground, so that removes the need for a lot of autumn use of insecticide early on, which is always a good thing, of course. Also, start making plans while you've got wet days. Just think about what you're going to do when you do put wheat in the ground. You're going to need to be very proactive because your blackgrass control will come from before you put it in the ground and then the first three or four days after you've drilled it. What I mean by that is glyphosate becomes important for the pre drilling control of blackgrass with the flush on the stale seedbed. But then, once you put the crop in the ground, you need to stack those active residual herbicides to make sure they delay the emergence of blackgrass and allow the wheat to push ahead. So, the thing I would Say, take a positive from it. The weather's doing probably more good than harm on many, many levels, not least Blackgrass and BYDV. But be prepared because once it starts, I think it'll start with a vengeance, and that you don't want to be left behind.
0: A bit like the rain. Thank you, Sean. Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. As Sean Sparling said, the rain has been good for many, but spare a thought for our potato farmers who wanted some rain. But perhaps now's enough. Uh, Colin Jackson from PJP, how are things?
2: Um, damp, I suppose, would be the, uh, with this, the thing at the moment. Um, you know, just waiting for this rain to subside a bit, really, and uh, get sort of stuck in with uh, harvesting into store.
0: It has, I mean, the weather really can't have helped you.
2: No, no. We were very dry, you know, up until this sort of tranche of rain over this last sort of 10 days or so. Um, you know, certain areas of the country people were actually irrigating in order to soften the clods to uh, to harvest, but uh, they, they can certainly put the irrigators away now.
0: And so where, where are we with the campaign?
2: Well, um... We're probably only about a third of the way into getting stuff into store, so there's still a you know, considerable amount to come in. Um, it's still quite early, um, but obviously October can traditionally be one of those months where it can be actually a very dry month, um, and uh, which is what we actually now need to go forward. But if we do get a wet October, um, then we could get to the point where some of these crops don't actually make it out of the ground, which um, would really turn things on its head.
0: Absolutely. Any early indications of, of, you know, the quality coming through?
2: The quality is pretty good at the moment, to be honest with you. Um, Particularly the stuff that sort of came in, you know, as I say, when the ground was sort of soft enough to be kind to the uh, potatoes, but um, dry enough also so that we weren't bringing a lot of sticking soil into store. Um, The quality that's gone in so far has been very, very good, yes.
0: And getting any indication of yields or anything at the minute? Yields
2: are again a bit like the weather a bit hit and miss um you know several m- most people have got relatively decent yields but there isn't that many real bumper yields about that people were predicting could have happened so uh, that's helping to keep a bit of confidence in the market and uh, hence the reason why the prices haven't fallen totally out of bed like they might have done you know with the uh, with the wet summer that we've had
0: you me- you mentioned prices what uh, what prices are we looking at
2: well Good, decent quality whites really vary from the bottom end is about a hundred pounds um, up to, yeah, I suppose, up to about the two hundred pound mark. So there's a big, wide window this year um, for whites and uh, and also, you know, some packing material even a little bit stronger than that. But um, and, and also material for export, best sort of King Edwards, that kind of thing, are still nicely up, you know, well over two hundred pounds now. So. Um, values although they are you know that's probably around and about a hundred pounds a ton cheaper than this time last year um generally around um but it's still relatively decent prices
0: and if i dare say it we're running into christmas now uh it's you know it is a matter of weeks away really um what do you need to happen between now and then for 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 things to go okay
2: well Basically, we do need a relatively dry rest of october, um, and if we get that then uh, then I think the uh, the spuds will come into store in good condition um, and uh, we'll have uh, plenty of spuds to see us through uh, you know into the next campaign but um, as I say, that is you know up with the uh, lap of the gods now as far as that goes, because we've certainly had enough water um, and uh, another you know two or three inches would make one or two particularly heavy land quite sticky and make it quite difficult
0: we need the opposite of a rain dance don't we
2: we do we do
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right colin that's great thank you okay cheers that's colin jackson there at pjp on to the gray market news and prices then jerome fielder can update
4: us from open field this week hello jerome hi sean markets have traded one pound 20 up on the november 19 luffy futures this week from friday to friday although prices have risen The physical trade hasn't responded, with physical prices relatively flat. Logistics remains a big challenge, with the quantity of wheat, barley and beans being moved to ports this month. New crop values are finding some support. Looking more closely at the wheat market, the USDA end of September stocks report contains some bullish news, as maize stocks were reported at 8 to 9 million tonnes below trade expectations. Some have explained the reason for this as an overestimation of last season's crop and this will directly feed into lower carrying stocks for the coming season, which will make the USDA's maize supply and demand estimate next week, especially the yield, even more interesting. Wheat was happy to go along for the ride as maize prices surged following the news. Prices have also found support from rising prices in Black Sea. Dry weather in Argentina and Australia a raft of international tenders. Interestingly, France sold the only cargo to Egypt this week at circa $5 higher than the previous tender, as Black Sea wheat continues to be pushed higher by rising domestic values. There was a slightly more optimistic tone on Brexit until Thursday night, where the EU reflected on Boris's deal as being unconvinced by it. The UK continues to follow other markets and focuses on executing existing export business, which is putting strain on logistics. We now wait for the result of Brexit negotiations to determine how the UK will need to reposition itself in the export market. Barley now. The feed barley prices have been supported by export demand, with 4 to 5 pounds lifts being seen this week on further forwards. Unfortunately, the domestic malting market has really slowed up, with only small amounts of trade to cover shorts in the marketplace. Some discussion on current planting conditions and whether this could lead to some change in planting intentions with spring cropping now is the main focus. The Brexit debate continues with some underlying interest from European consumers lingering. However, some clear direction on policy will be needed before any volume business is done. Looking at the oilseed market, like the malting barley market, the oilseed market is lethargic, with offers and crush bids being far apart. The fundamentals are unchanged, with high volumes of imports needed into the EU, and in particular the UK, to support any kind of balance in the supply and demand picture. The availability of oilseed rape to come into the EU against the demand requirement could be decreasing, with additional concerns over the Australian crop and now poor harvesting conditions in Canada, as early snows cause problems. The one issue overhanging the global picture is soybean demand, given African swine flu has now spread into Russia and Indonesia, and what that means for pig herds in those nations, and ultimately, feed demand. Now for your ex-farm values. Feed wheat is trading spot at 127 pounds 130 pounds with no carry to November. The May position is trading at £135 to £137 pounds ex-farm, and new crop for November is trading at £137 to £140. Pounds. Feed barley values spot at £112 to £114, pounds with the further forwards for May trading at £116 to £120. All seed rape values are trading at £327 to £330, pounds with... May value trading at three hundred and thirty six to three hundred and thirty seven pounds for molting premiums they're currently trading at circa ten pounds. For any other inquiries, please speak to your local openfield farm business manager Thank you
0: no thank you that's uh, Jerome Fielder at Open field. Congratulations to Jilly Steele, who's just been appointed LRSN's first ever health and well-being lead. Earlier in the year, you might remember, we discussed the aims and the reasons for such a role within the charity, and it's great to see Jilly now in that role. It's the uh, AGM of LRSN as well, a week tomorrow, and agriculture chaplain uh, Alan Robson is here. Alan, um, another year's gone by, another year of increased success,
5: though with more and more people calling on its services as well. Yeah, I, I think the success of LRSN is that people are more aware around you know, general health and well-being. It's not just mental health, it's physical health and uh, and where everybody fits in. And, and I think LR, LRSN have a good story to tell, and they're telling it as you know, agricultural chaplaincy has a good story to tell, and it's been intimately involved with uh, all the development of that. And... Um, And as it goes forward, you'll hear more from Jilly Steele, our new mental health appointment, full-time, to help in supporting the work. And so the AGM is, again, another time to celebrate the achievements of the last year. But we're also reflecting on the challenges we're going to have to face in the next five to ten years. And we want to put the organisation in a place alongside agricultural chaplaincy. Um, we want to put them in both a place of strength to work together going forward uh, for the challenges ahead.
0: Alan Robson there. More from him in a couple of weeks' time with the Harvest Festival approaching. And we'll hear from Jilly Steele, hopefully, on next week's programme.
1: The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast.
0: Yes, on to the weather. We've talked a fair bit about it this week. But what of the next few days? Well, more rain today, though it should ease as your Sunday continues. Hopefully uh, dry tomorrow and Tuesday. Maybe some rain still in there, though, with that low pressure hanging over us. Uh, Winds from the south to start the week, west-southwest by the middle of the week, and we're looking at wind speeds of 10 to 20 miles an hour. As for temperatures, daytime highs 12, 13, maybe 14 Celsius if you're lucky. Overnight lows this week nearer 9 or 10 Celsius. Then for the end of the week, well, the jet stream is uh, looking like it's going to move a bit more south, that could bring northerly winds, making it feel a bit cooler next weekend. We'll see. For now, though, that is the forecast. Next weekend, it's the British National Ploughing Festival Championships at Nocton. It's happening next Saturday and Sunday. I might see you there. Should be a good weekend. It usually is. And uh, before I go this week, I'm hearing news that somebody is trying to take our farming programme mantle. Yes, a certain Jeremy Clarkson. Not content with uh, presenting Who Wants to Be a Millionaire on Sunday nights. He's uh, producing a programme for Amazon Prime, and this time, it's all about agriculture. Um, Here he is, revealing a few details on Twitter on Friday.
3: Good news. I can finally confirm that I'm going to be spending the next year, in the rain, making a show about farming for Amazon Prime. This means that people all over the world will be able to watch me using a 1,000 acres of the Cotswolds to make... Thousands of tonnes of beer and bread and vegetable oil and lamb chops and jumpers. Of course, to be a farmer, you have to be an agronomist, a businessman, a politician, an accountant, a vet and a mechanic. And I'm none of those things. I don't even know what agronomist means.
0: Hmm, sounds like he needs the help of our agronomist, Sean Sparling, doesn't it, to help you out there? Good luck, Jeremy, but uh, if he's doing that then I'm going to start a car-based show. Who's with me? (laughs) Actually, I know as much about cars as it sounds like Jeremy does about farming. What could possibly go wrong? Actually, yeah, quite a bit, so maybe not. Uh, We'll stick with farming. Back at the same time next week with the Farming Program. Until then, as ever, take care.